If they look at it and listen to what their body is saying early enough, they don't have to go through a lot of this stuff. And hopefully it'll motivate some people to maybe do some work ahead of time because that's where it's easier, it's cheaper, you know, you don't have all the pain points, but most people aren't motivated until they're in enough pain. It all begins by understanding the mind. I want to be happy now. I don't care about the future. I want to be happy right now. You are not alone. You are never, ever, ever alone in this. It's helped my voice grow and given me freedom to be creative on my own. I'm Christina Barcy. Welcome to Be Bold Begin, a podcast dedicated to you, the creative, the healer, and the innovator. The topics and conversations we have here are designed to help you discover what might be getting in your way and offer you tools, techniques, and guidance to move through them. I live in the imposter's body more than I live in my own body. I don't have to feel like I don't deserve this. This is where creativity and healing intersect. If you decide to be bold and begin, you have the opportunity to feel humbled and empowered. I totally believe that. I'm a certified Kaizen Muse creativity coach, a certified Reiki energy healer, and an entrepreneur, artist, and presenter. I will share with you my experiences, my proven tools and techniques that helped me and my clients and loved ones shift and expand in the areas they most desired. This is a gentle and open space where you will hear how others are being bold to encourage you to begin your own journey or expand the one you're on. This is Be Bold Begin. Hi, welcome back. I am Barcy, your host. And you may have noticed that there are often trends in the discussions and guests that we have on the show. And lately we've been talking about the power of the body and the power the body has to heal and how we may acquire sickness and, and how that can sometimes serve as a wake up call to change the way that we live or something that's happening in our lives. So today my guest is Katrina Foe. She is a board-certified holistic nutritionist who knows that when we look at health, we should be looking at the body as a whole. After overcoming her own cancer 100% naturally and driven by her core belief that the body can heal itself, Katrina went on to become board-certified in holistic nutrition and trained to read functional labs. Katrina is also a certified metabolic approach to cancer practitioner. In her international bestseller, Nutritional Pilates, Katrina offers a framework for whole body health that casts light on potential obstacles that can obstruct well-being while providing proven strategies to sidestep chronic disease. So welcome, Katrina. I'm excited to learn from you today. Hello, Barcy. I'm so delighted to be here. Yes, thank you. Thank you for reaching out. It's, I always find it so interesting with the timing of guests that come through because there's oftentimes a theme that forms all on its own <laughs> and you're part of that theme. So thank you for, you know, tapping in, I suppose, to the energy here. So I'd love to learn more about you in general and what was going on. What was life like before your cancer diagnosis? Yeah. So before the cancer diagnosis, My family, we had gone through some health struggles. My oldest daughter had had some tooth decay issues, and we had discovered food and how amazing it is, meaning to use it as medicine, not just as yummy treats and such. So we had gotten so passionate about using food as medicine that we were really interested in looking at sourcing to the extent that we actually moved up to Idaho so that we could have some land and raise our own meat animals. So cows, wow. chickens, that you know, eggs, all that kind of thing. So we were pretty gung-ho, and this kind of came out of nowhere because I felt like we were doing all the right things. Right, right. So quickly, where were you moving from? Where did you live before? Yes, so I'm from Scottsdale, Arizona, and our brick-and-mortar business is there, and we had been living there in different parts of Phoenix around about town, trying to get more land and realizing like, it's kind of dry there. So yeah. (laughs) And hot. Just a little. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, I'm in California in Los Angeles and the parts that I grew up in were very deserty as well. So I know the heat struggle and yeah, I imagine growing 
vegetables and produce and sustaining yourselves in a desert might be a little more difficult than you found in Idaho. (laughs) Very much so. Yes. (laughs) That's so exciting. And what a bold move to make in so many ways. And all that said, so I also know what it feels like to feel like you're doing everything right and then get sideswept by life. Can you talk us through sort of what that was like and what discoveries you made through that process? Absolutely. So when I got the diagnosis, I was just overwhelmed. I I couldn't believe that like I was young, I was healthy, I felt great. I was doing all the right things of all the people that I knew. I'm like, I'm eating the right foods. Like I'm back then, this was before they had like almond flour at Costco. So we were soaking our nuts and dehydrating the nuts and then grinding the nuts to then bake with the nuts. And it's like, this is insane. How do I have cancer? And I just put everything on the table. Like I'm going to reevaluate everything because clearly I am missing something that is causing my body to not be able to heal and to let something like I mean, cancer, and this was like a golf ball size. This wasn't like some little Mm -hmm. tiny, you know, seed size thing. And I had lumps in my armpit and all sorts of things. So I started digging in, reevaluating the research, reading dozens of books on cancer. And I was just an open book. So first thing I did, I had heard about going to a Gearson clinic and I wasn't hip on the vegan thing, but I was doing something wrong. So let's evaluate. I read their books and I had questions and they did not have answers to my questions. So I'm down there for like about three days and I keep asking questions. And by the third day, the director of the facility took me aside and was like, Katrina, my staff says that you've been asking a lot of questions. You really need to just trust in the process. Okay. I was floored. I'm like, are you serious? Because, you know, I have all these questions and nobody's giving me answers. You know, either they can't speak English or they tell me to go back to the book. And I'm like, I read the book and that's why I'm asking. And he's like, I think this isn't the place for you. Oh, wow. Straight up. Straight up. You're kicked out. Yeah. He said it nicer than that, but. How long were you there? Three days. Oh my God. That's it? That was it. And I was kind of, in a way, a little relieved because I had stopped nursing my son very quickly. And I thought I'd be good, but I mean, I was about to explode. And they kept telling me, you have to have oatmeal as your breakfast. And I'm like, okay, that's all fine and good. But if I eat oatmeal, like that's a galactagogue. I'm going to explode. My breasts are going to explode on you. And they just kept looking at me. I'm like, no, I'm really serious. Like I can't eat oatmeal if I'm trying to get rid of my milk supply because that will give me more milk. So I felt very unheard. I felt very Mm -hmm. like I didn't fit in the mold. I didn't get answers to my questions. And I went home super disheartened. Just, I am free falling. I have no idea what's going on. That is painful. I can feel it. Like that feeling of being not heard. I'm very familiar with and being sent home and and just saying like, nope, like that is the worst feeling. Bad kid, right? (laughs) Yes. And not to label this group because I know nothing about them except for what you're sharing. So that's my qualifier, but it sounds a little culty in not wanting to offer answers and creating what unfortunately I think a lot of solution-based systems create when even in opposition of the norm is to create another box for us to kind of fit inside of and and not have a tailored experience because Mm -hmm. food is such a tailored experience for all of us, I believe. And what works for me now might not even work for me a couple years from now because my body will change. So yeah. that's always interesting to me when I hear those types of regimens. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, for me, I'm a questioner. Like this outside of this one instance, I'm telling you, like, that's just who I am. I want to understand yeah. what's going on. And to shut that down, I mean, I think what I've seen now on the other side, being a practitioner, when clients really engage and ask questions, it means they're going to do the work and they're going to get better. Like it's when clients don't ask the Mm -hmm. questions that I'm worried. And it's kind of funny to look back because I think people really need to get their questions addressed to really understand mentally what happened to them, not only so they can do the protocols and get better, but also so they have the tools to know what to do ongoing. 
hundred percent. And mindset is such a big part of our process always. And if we're mm-hmm. feeling anxious in our minds, then, and they're without tools to soothe that or to feel in control, I'm sure the experience feels very out of control to say it lightly right. <laughs> and without tools to help. I would understand why I would only lean someone into not trusting further rather than trusting the process, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so you got kicked out mm-hmm. and then what happened? Yeah. So I was very blessed. A friend recommended a, a functional practitioner. So I found someone that does what I do now and we started testing and I had never tested anything at that point. And I didn't even know you could test all the stuff that we tested. And it was super interesting to see all the different things that were off that I did not know about, or I had just ignored the little symptoms that were telling me there was something off, you know, really subtle symptoms. A lot of it was things that I was just attributing to postpartum, Mm. things like some weight that wouldn't come off, the brain fog, the fatigue, the, you know, those kinds of things I didn't think of as being related to cancer. I mean, but for me, a lot of it was hormone driven and such. So that was part of it. And it was a really eye-opening, wow. interesting experience. It's functional testing. Is that what you called it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So functional testing is, those are labs that you can do that are outside of kind of the norm. And you're using them to get understanding about what's going on, the function of the body, and then create protocols based on it. So stool testing, hormone testing, things like that. We did genetic testing, toxin testing, the full spectrum to look at what's going on. And a lot of the things that we were looking at, these are known drivers of cancer. So these are things that in the research, this is not woo-woo, are known carcinogens. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at this, there's 10 areas that can drive cancer. And so we were looking at the tests that were showing us these areas and seeing what was off for me. So The biggest mistake that people have with cancer is that they think it's just one thing Mm -hmm. and they're looking for one thing. And if they find something, they're like, that's the one thing. And it's never one thing. It's usually like six to eight things. And that creates this perfect storm to allow the body, that immune system to be overwhelmed so that it's not going to be able to take care of the rogue cancer cells like it's designed to do. Wow. So the things you're testing for in the functional labs, do those fall under the 10 terrain drivers or is that a separate list of things that we should go over? Yeah, no, that's a good way of looking. So there's 10 areas and I'll just tell you them real quick and then I can show you how they connect into the different labs. So just real quick, the first one is metabolic, you know, so you can see that's blood sugar dysregulation. You can see that on some of the different blood work. Hormones, so sex hormones in terms of urine or saliva, and then the thyroid hormones, which you would look on blood. Mm -hmm. The microbiome, that's your gut. You can see some markers on that on blood, but really you're going to want to look at a good stool panel for digestive function as well as any dysbiosis or critters that should or shouldn't be there. Angiogenesis, so you'll look at this in some blood work. Markers that are not typically run, though, to show if there's more blood vessels being developed by that tumor to stimulate it. Stress, this would be your adrenal hormones and how, you know, it affects that circadian rhythm. Environmental toxins, this is a wide range. So a big one is mold, but you've got the heavy metals, you've got the non-metals, and these would be different urine tests. Epigenetics, so these are the factors in your genes that give you a propensity towards having issues doing this or that that might need to be supported. Immune function, you can see this on a lot of different tests, but you'll see autoimmune drivers and such in the blood. You'll see vitamin D levels. Things like that are indicators of your immune status. Inflammation, now this is a big one because this is going to be in the blood and some other areas. There's lots of different markers of inflammation, and this can show you how crazy out of control your cancer is. And there's three of them, the HSCRP, the SED rate, and the LDH that I use. We call that the trifecta to monitor cancer. So that way we can run that tiny little panel every month to see if something's going sideways way before there's, you know, tumor growth and such. 
Mm. And then last but not least is the mental emotional. Now I do use the ACE test, the adverse childhood events, but this is one that's a little harder to get tangible what's going on in there. And you really want to dig in to this. This is the area people usually skip. Usually with cancer diagnosis, the year prior, there's something that has really traumatized that person's heart. Mm. Loss of a loved one, divorce, job problems, you know, something deep. And sometimes people are really, oh yeah, there it is. And some of them gloss over it and maybe never even deal with it. But this is a big one. So those are the 10 and you can see how different testing will show different areas and there's some overlap and such. But looking at all of it, then you get a really clear picture at what is it that's driving and caused that cancer, which gives you information on how to address it. So if you support that, eradicate it, depending on what we're talking about. And then the beautiful thing is most people, when they're done with cancer, kind of live under this cloud of, is it going to come back? And so when you know your drivers, you can monitor them very easily with these ongoing tests to know way before a tumor is allowed to develop, you know, even if there's just one off before there's like six to eight or so. Wow. Okay. I've got a bunch of questions. Um, no, that's perfect. That was really informative and very clear. So I appreciate the way that you connected the dots for us there. Let's see if I can remember all my questions. My first one that comes to mind, because you were sharing how the one that people typically skip is a big one to that point, are there certain terrains out of the 10 that you listed that are more influential than others that can have more of an impact? Like for example, in the mainstream, we talk about cancer. DNA is quite blamed typically, I think, right? Do you it is that? thrown under the bus a lot, but most cancer, it's usually only five to 10% of cancers are genetically driven. Now, what uh-huh. I'm talking about with the epigenetics to clarify are the factors that affect the gene expression. So the diet, the lifestyle, mm. you know, what kind of supplements you're taking, they can turn the genes on and turn the genes off. So even if you have these bad genes, so to speak, or the SNPs or, you know, mutations, whatever you want to call them, you are not, you know, guaranteed to get cancer. And a lot of people take it as like, I mean, mutilating their bodies because they think they're destined to get it. And that is just not true. You have so much power and choices over your everyday life. And this is actually, these epigenetics have been shown in research to be more powerful than your genes themselves. Amazing. Thank you. That's exactly what I was wondering about, (laughs) which makes me wonder then because it's so holistic, of course, this is kind of the conversation we're having is a holistic look at all of this with the same testing. Can you test for other things. Does this help us in other areas aside from cancer or is this really specific to cancer development? That's a good question. So I'm glad you asked that because I'm going to clarify it. So the genetic testing that I use is what's called low penetrance. So it's testing only the genes that are most likely to be influenced. So I'm not testing the ones that aren't going to be as well influenced and they're not necessarily cancer genes. So things like how my body methylates. We know in the research that methylation is closely tied with cancer. So if you're not methylating well, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Methylation (laughs) is a fancy term that is very confusing. It has to do with your detox capacity. And it's where your body takes like a toxin or a chemical and it attaches a methyl group and changes into a different substance. Got it. So... Some people do this really well and, you know, you can methylate and turn on and off different genes and how they express. And some people like me just really suck at it. So I need to do some supplementation for life with this. And it's good for me to know that because this is not just a temporary, I'm not working well right now. This is a, eh, I just, sorry, thanks mom and dad don't do this well, period, and need to have some support so that I don't get into a bad place. But this methylation, Mm -hmm. and this is just one example, this is going to affect everything. It's not just cancer. So I have these tools going forward to know that I know what to do. 
So for example, Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. Alzheimer's methylation is closely linked to that as well. And that's a near and dear to my heart. My dad has Alzheimer's and I do not want to get Alzheimer's. I like my brain. You know, so again, I'm super motivated to take my supplements to make sure that I don't end up where he is. Wow. Okay. Yes. Thank you. I was hoping that would be connected Mm -hmm. to more things, which also makes me wonder for developments that are abnormal, that maybe aren't cancerous, like a benign growth, or a lot of women have endometriosis Mm -hmm. issues, let's say, or lots of other things with reproductive health that seem to have no answer and no understanding whatsoever. (laughs) Much, Much like and unlike cancer in so many ways. But that said, I'm wondering if there is any linkage to your pathways with women's health in that way as well, or benign growths or things like that. Well, these 10 terrain areas are critical for cancer to look at. You know, even if people are done with addressing their cancer and they've treated it with chemo and all that stuff and they're all done, they still need to go back and look at the functional aspects to make sure it doesn't come back. But if you take a couple steps back, these are the same areas that are important for good health. It's just, it's like your health is like a spectrum and it's just how far down the spectrum of being messed up in these areas are you? That's the million dollar question. And when you get to a certain point, things start happening. You start getting symptoms and then they start to snowball if you mask them and don't address them. And then they get worse and then you get that whole avalanche. And for some people, that avalanche is coming down the pathway of cancer. Sometimes it's coming down in terms of heart disease, diabetes, dementia. Sometimes people get multiple of these, but Mm -hmm. it's not unique to cancer. So what you were asking about like endometriosis, for example, they're going to want to address the same issues and know. And what they're doing then, I look at something like endometriosis as your body talking to you. It's saying, mm-hmm. hey, there's something going on here. Please address this now before it escalates into something worse like cancer or heart disease or something. Because there's the, a lot of those same base things being off. Right. Yeah. And I think that what you just shared about our body sharing with us. It's trying to tell us things. And I think that's a more useful way to look at disease, let's say, or sickness or discomfort even, or any kind of pain is in a communicative way. And to try to tune in and notice it, I think sooner rather than trying to ignore, I think is what we're kind of taught to do societally and have been for a while is to just push through and, you know, it'll be fine and ignore it until things are chronic. Exactly. So I think it's a good point. It's a big deal. And we do this in our society in so many different ways. I was talking to my mom last night and a friend of hers was sick and had like a cold. It wasn't anything serious. And she was saying how she gave them some NyQuil. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's going to make them feel better. You know, it's going to mask the symptoms, but then what do we do? First off, that's more toxins for the body to, you know, filter out and deal with. But second, it's covering up what the body is telling them. The body was telling them to rest, get Mm -hmm. extra sleep. And if they're masking it and they feel better, what are they going to do? You know, they're going to keep going. And that's why she was giving them the medicine, which is, it's so backwards. We're not listening to our Mm -hmm. bodies and we're just overriding them, which is, it's hard to watch. Yeah. It's, I'm glad though, that we're starting to have more conversations like this. And I think it's starting to shift and having success stories are important to share through other methodologies so that we can see that we have more options at the least, Mm -hmm. right? So that people know that they have the option to try something different like you did. Speaking of your journey, I'd love to hear more about what happened. Jumping back into, you know, you did your, I'm calling it a panel, your labs, you did your labs yeah, (laughs) and you made some discoveries. And then what was the journey from there? Ah, this is where it gets weird, Barcy. (laughs) Okay. So I was super confident. I'm like, I got this. I've got this all figured out. And being very arrogant and such. And I went on a women's retreat. And the whole time, every time we had like a quiet time breakout, I was just heavily impressed that I needed to go home and be with my husband in the biblical sense. And I was just having Mm. this like wrestling match with God. I'm like, hey, you know what? Like... We just got in a fight. I don't really want to do that. Hey, you know, did you know I have cancer? Like, 
I just did a hormone retest and I know what day of the month that is. Like, that's not a good idea. People are mad at me anyways for doing this natural. Like, I do not need to be pregnant on top of this. And it just kept coming around and coming around and like, fine. (laughs) So (laughs) I took a big leap of trust and did not tell my husband and went home, did my thing and got pregnant. (laughs) So now I'm pregnant with cancer and a lot of the supplements I can't take anymore. I get very sick with my pregnancies. So like eating healthy is kind of out the door. It's basically, can I get any food in? And I was just kind of like, what is going on? Well, I had found out, I heard from during this process, three different natural cancer doctors that pregnancy can have a beneficial effect. I'm like, all right, I'm going to trust in this. And about a month before the baby was due to arrive, the the whole tumor was gone. So yeah, it had disappeared. And it was funny because a friend of mine that had cancer, I had been talking to her, you know, just a few months into the pregnancy and she was like, Oh, I can feel my, you know, tumor shrinking. And I'm like, how in the world are you feeling a tumor shrink from day to day? Like, really? But it was, it was super tapped in. It was messing with my head. And I'm like, I'm just not going to touch it. Like, I am not going to look at it. I'm not going to feel it. And so for like six months, I never touched the tumor. And so when I did check again and it was gone, it was kind of like, wait, am I crazy? It was very strange. So I uh, had the baby great birth at home. And about a year later I nursed and I I was like, okay, I'm going to wean the baby. I need to circle back around and finish the work that I had started because I knew there were all these issues going on that now we're probably off again. And I circled back around to my doctor and she was like, okay, let's, you know, I want you to read this book. It's called Fat for Fuel by Joseph Mercola. And I'm like, oh, that's keto. Like that is dangerous. Like, (laughs) no, no hard. No. And she's like, Katrina, just read it. And so I read the book and about halfway through I was doing keto because the whole thing just resonated. I'm like, I get this, this makes sense. And so I started down this journey and it was very interesting about three or four months in being keto, I started to realize that a lot of symptoms had disappeared. So what I didn't tell you is that I have had bipolar since I was a teenager. I had been on lots of different medications. They felt awful. They didn't help the situation. And so for the last 20 years, I had white knuckled it. I decided I wasn't going to do anything, but I just wasn't suffering. So I had noticed these symptoms were gone and I didn't really want to say anything because I didn't know if this was a forever thing or if this was a temporary transitional thing. Yeah, And my husband was doing like a family worship and talking about how we need to be grateful in all things, joyful in all circumstances. And he was giving an example of a a neighbor who had lost their house in a fire recently and people were helping him out. And my daughter chimes in, she goes, we're like mom's cancer. I was totally shocked. I'm like, what is she talking about? And my husband's like, what do you mean, honey? And she goes, well, if mom hadn't had cancer, she wouldn't have tried keto and now she's happy. So I hadn't even like made the connection, but I've seen it now, staying keto, going off of keto, you know, things where it just, it solves the problem for me. It puts me hundred percent in remission and it's a, a beautiful thing where I'm so, so grateful for the cancer. Cause you discovered that. Mm-hmm. And it's funny cause oh. I was super against it at the beginning. I remember my sister had sent me an article about keto before I uh, even got pregnant and I was like, oh. what do you think that was for you the wanting to push it away immediately I think it was just growing up in a society that taught us fat was so bad I remember my sister and I having contest of who could eat the least amount of fat in a day I mean it's so wicked bad and that was actually what my body needed the whole time which drives me because it fuels the brain Yeah. yeah again like it just speaks to the individualism, I think, too, that's needed across different humans. And, you know, we all need a little more of this or a little less of that. And it's very tailored. And yeah, it is amazing when we go through something that we think is maybe life ending 
and we find something that opens it up. Absolutely. I tell people I'm grateful for cancer and they're like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like I had been praying for decades to be released from that. And that was how I got to it. And bonus, that whole process, I got so excited and went back to school. And now I'm super blessed to get to work with other clients and help them in this whole new career of blessing other people from the whole process. Wow. Yes. You do a lot of things. And first, before we jump into, cause I do want to talk about that. Just thank you for sharing that part of the journey. Cause it's a huge piece to your success story and your ongoing story and sort of finding that the part of yourself that feels relieved mm-hmm. is what I'm getting. That's the energy I'm yeah. getting. That's really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And the control. Yeah, I really want that to get out there because I feel like our society is just pushing people. Any, Anytime they have any mental issue, it's just drugs. And they don't look at diet. They don't look at supplements. You know, I've since learned after digging into this that, you know, a lot of the mineral lithium, not the prescription, you know, amino acids, you know, B vitamins, like these can be really therapeutic as well and very helpful in addition to or instead of the diet. And again, this is not being talked about. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading, I'm bringing up this book a lot lately because there's so much in it, but the book, Half the Sky, have you read that before or heard of it? No, but I'll put it on my list. Yeah. It's really good. It reminded me that they talked about salt and how a lot of third world communities, cultures, and countries don't have access to salt. It truly affects the brain function and the body function. I won't dive into that too much because there's some chemistry there that I may mess up, but, but, uh, we know that it, you know, salt helps our, um, electrolytes travel and all of that good stuff inside the body. And without it, ionized salts, it just impacts the mental health quite a bit in these places as well. That keeps the suppression going, that keeps the systemic barriers in place and something as simple as salt. So it's fascinating when we start really looking at things that we would take for granted as a culture. It's super important. That is very important. Salt is important. These minerals and basic things that we need, we have to have. And yet mm-hmm. with the way our world is getting where there's so many toxins that deplete us of those to try to get the toxins out or just not getting the minerals in our water, it gets harder and harder. Yeah. Nutrition is so depleted in our food. It's crazy. And it makes right. it such an uphill battle at all points that you have to be super intentional. Yeah. And I mean, I could just go on and on of all the things that connects to you because it, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be doing pretty well to even have the opportunity to seek out nutritious food and have mm-hmm. the ability to grow for yourself or you know, whatever it may be. It's becoming the new dream. I think the new wealth dream is to be able to control your own health, especially in this country. Mm-hmm. So that makes it really tough as a whole issue, but for those of us that can explore and even go back to some older holistic practices that are, you know, maybe not so inaccessible, I find that an interesting way to kind of like retreat back to our original selves is maybe not the best way to say it, but it's how it's feeling. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, the story you just shared about <laughs> the pregnancy too, of it just sort of disappearing. So I know that a lot happened and I want to talk about the shift into deciding to become a practitioner in this process as well. But I'm curious, aside from keto, were there other practices that you felt were specifically related to being pregnant and that impacting your cancer receding, disappearing? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question because it just swirls around in my mind all the time, wanting to understand exactly what happened and what mechanisms of the pregnancy were really affected. So for me, the metabolic aspect, the pregnancy, you know, if I'm not eating, I'm getting into a ketogenic state. So not that pregnancy by itself, but pregnancy for me, (laughs) means a lot of fasting. Mm. The actual pregnant state with anyone is very detoxifying. It puts the woman in a detoxifying state. And I had a lot of toxins in there. In particular, one of my main drivers, we had moved into a house that had black mold. And about eight months before I gave birth. Yeah. So 
it was really hard. We didn't know what mold would do. And my husband ripped it all out himself, no masks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's a, a superstar in terms of detoxing and it didn't bother him, but me, not so much. Like I mentioned, I have some really bad genetic snips and don't process things very well. So Plus, I had been making like lots of people for the last decade. So my body was depleted. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. there was also a huge emotional trauma. Our marriage was not great. And that was definitely a contributing factor. So there were, there were a lot of things going on with that. For me specifically, and I don't have any evidence on this, but I know I had a very, very severe iron anemia. To the point that I was getting heart palpitations and like I could not mm. walk even. And that wasn't mm. like from anything with cancer. That was the anemia. And now what I know about ferroptosis, like maybe that was contributing to getting rid of the tumor as well. So I don't quite know exactly how that would all play together, but there were definitely some things going on. Yeah. And I appreciate you talking through it. And mm -hmm. it's always hard to point an exactness yeah. when sort of events come together like that. It's yeah. super interesting though. That fascinates me because that process is not something anyone has any research on. They don't talk about that. You know, usually what you hear is the opposite where people are pregnant and they find out they have cancer and they're aborting the babies, which is really sad oh, to me my. because I mean, I get where they're coming from, but if no one's talking about like what I experienced, I could see where they would go with that. It sounds so extreme. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything just feels fear-based when we are being reactive in this way, in these extreme ways. And I understand it, of course, all the fear that comes up during these moments and wanting to have a protectiveness, right? And so I get it, but man, that's hard to hear. And it is very cool that you're talking about it from your experience because, you know, it is what happened and maybe it's happening to other people and maybe more people need to share that. And maybe we need to study it, you know, exactly. You need to study women more period, but what a great opportunity to link those two, like how mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that too. And, and talking through just a little bit more because it's so interesting and awesome that that worked for you in that way that, you know, that that happened. So now you are a practitioner mm -hmm. as well in helping do these tests. And to my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, you had a Pilates business before mm -hmm. already, right? In Arizona. And that is called... The studio is personalized Pilates. My book okay. is nutritional Pilates. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Because I was like, ooh, well, what does that mean? <laughs> so what does that mean? And then please tell me everything about what you're doing now. Absolutely. So... The book, Nutritional Pilates, is about looking at things like joint pain, weight loss, and preventing chronic disease from the lens of combining my Pilates background and now my nutritional background and looking at like what can mess people up and allow for these areas, these terrain to get so off and have these symptoms of weight gain and joint pain and such as a side product. So, you know, if somebody is carrying extra weight, it's not that they're a bad person, but there's a reason their body is telling them something. And we want to listen to that so that they don't go farther down the hole of like ending up with more awful diseases, the chronic diseases like cancer and such. So this is what we're, I'm looking at in the book and that's what's diving in. Wonderful. And what an intriguing title, because I immediately want to go, what is that? So well done there. And it's great to see when things intersect. I love intersections when we can apply, you know, different backgrounds. That's what makes it so unique is that you happened to not happen to, but you studied nutrition and then you had the experiences you uniquely had. And then you also have a Pilates studio. And it's like, how do we marry all of this together to create a really unique experience for someone who would need something like that to resonate with? So, mm -hmm. Yeah. I love when we can kind of package things together like that for someone and for those that would need a little more help in those areas and, and we all learn differently. So it's nice to see, um, just new ways to approach Pilates. For example, I do Pilates and I would have never connected it in that way in my mind on my own. <laughs> so. 
Well, and that was the thing is that I was seeing that a lot where, you know, people are like the body, the muscles, the tendons, the movement, and then it was the nutrition and the hormones and it's, it's one body and those things affect each other and looking at them together and seeing how like, oh, if your adrenals are screwed up, that's going to affect a lot of times your leg length discrepancy and and it, it looks at it differently. And there's a lot more than I was able to even pack in the book. But I'm hoping that it, it gives people a place to look at and start where they're like, oh, I can't lose weight to save my life. And things like hormones and mold and different toxins can affect that. Like, what does my thyroid yeah. have to do with that? To start the wheels turning to know what to look into further, because there's a lot of things that we don't know to even look at that aren't being talked about. Like very few people are talking about mold and it is wicked in all the things that it can do. Totally. And yeah, unfortunately I have a, well, it's a friend of a friend, but really bad situation with mold in a house and person was very psychologically affected by that and really was confusing for everyone to understand what all these changes were in this person's personality and all of these things that were happening. And we just bought a house and they're like, oh my God, there might be mold. And it's like, oh no, because I was thinking of that person's story. And and I don't think about mold either until someone has a bad experience. And then you're like, oh God, should we be paying attention to this more? And, and yeah. how do we you know, fill in the blank all of the things that we can discuss? But our environment, I think, is so important to how we feel. I know it can tune into that pretty easily. Sometimes it's annoying because I'll be very affected by my environment from moment to moment. (laughs) And I'm sure it's sort of annoying to my partner at times, but he's lovely about it. The more sensitive I get or more tuned in, the more I notice where things are affecting me and need to change my environment. But how many of us are looking at it that way? I'm not sure everyone's really thinking about it that much. No. And it's that spectrum. People have to get to a certain pain point where it's enough pain to motivate them because our insurance industry doesn't cover this testing. You know, people aren't digging into this. You'd have to go to a functional practitioner that specializes in some of this stuff to even find help with it and not just be dismissed as like, oh, you know, here's an antidepressant. And this is the frustrating part because my heart And the reason I wrote this book is to help people to see that this can be avoided. If they look Mm -hmm. at it and listen to what their body is saying early enough, they don't have to go through a lot of this stuff. And hopefully it'll motivate some people to maybe do some work ahead of time because that's where it's easier. It's cheaper. You know, you don't have all the pain points, but most people aren't motivated until they're in enough pain. Right. Yeah. Yes. I'm a big advocate, I should say, for tuning in and becoming a little more sensitive to what feels really good and tuning out of what we have sort of conditioned ourselves to be normal, which is often a painful state. Mm -hmm. And so that's been my personal experience too. I've had a couple of concussions in the same year and had to really work with myself and still have to. And that was in 2019. So it's kind of an ongoing process, but I'm grateful for it too. So I relate to what you say about when you say you're grateful for your cancer diagnosis. And I was grateful for that experience in my life too. And they're not comparable. So they're not, not a concussion was, was not a, just for anyone who's listening, who may be feeling like, okay, <laughs> you know, suffering is not comparable and it was not a diagnosis that would end my life. So there is a difference there, but I do relate to the gratitude that comes with things that we didn't think we wanted because I didn't want that, but I learned so much about myself and I can lead a healthier life now as well as a result. So yeah, that's powerful. But that said, so what if like most people or depending, right, all of us have some kind of pain at some point, but if you're not going through that, what are some steps to tune into to start, you know, being preventative and not feeling like you're being extreme, let's say, or, you know, having to really locate or, you know, do anything that feels <laughs> drastic to somebody. What but, are you saying, um, Marcy? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. Well, that's what I did. No. I I had to leave too. My environment was not good for me anymore. And it became urgent for me to need to figure that out. So again, I relate to that in changing my environment and wanting to make that happen. And it has made a huge difference. So <laughs> I'm an advocate for that, but I understand not everyone can afford to do that. And we don't always have that 
at our fingertips right away. That might be something to you know work towards. So yeah, any steps or tips or ways we can start to work with ourselves better? Yeah, there's a lot of low hanging fruit that you can get to, and this is a lot of what I cover in the book because I want it to be very actionable, but things like making sure that you are avoiding those toxic vegetable oils, I would say is probably one of my very top things that is just like pouring gasoline on the fire of your inflammation. So whatever you have going on, that's going to just amp it up. This is really interesting because most of our food is made with that. So you have to be pretty intentional. For Mm -hmm. example, if you go to a restaurant You just need to know that you are going to be inflaming your body because they are not going to be cooking in coconut oil and butter and things like that. They're going to be cooking and making your salad dressings, especially with canola oil and such. And so, you know, I do crazy dumb things and I don't know if this is extreme, but like I tell my clients, you bring your own salad dressing because there is not going to be a restaurant that has like good oil salad dressing. Mayonnaise is another big one that people don't think about having, but it's vegetable oil, you know? Even if they put a little olive oil in it, it's so little because olive oil is going to taste terrible in mayonnaise. They do have ones you can buy now, but they're not using that at the restaurant. So that would be one big thing. Generally, cutting out the carbs overall for most people, the grains and such, is going to be huge. So the sugars, the grains, all the processed junk, the chemicals... Just cleaning the whole thing up and eating like real food. You know, so even though I say keto, it's gotten popular now, but a lot of people are doing like Velveeta and bacon. And I'm like, no. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, you need to have like a lot of vegetables. You want that fiber and the phytonutrients. And then that's just the conduit for the sauces. Beautiful, healthy oil sauces and a little bit of meat. You know, that's what you want. It's not a huge carnivore diet. Hydration is a big one. Most people, even if they're trying, are dehydrated. It probably goes back to what you were talking about earlier about the salt. You know, most people are not getting all their minerals and such the way they need to really absorb that hydration that they're drinking. Or, you know, people are drinking so much coffee and diuretics and Red Bulls. And I don't know if you know this. I was shocked when I found this out. But most herbal teas are diuretic. Not as much as coffee, Like, you know, things like peppermint tea, people think, oh, I'm drinking something healthy, good for me. I'm hydrating my body. And it's not. Oh, wow. You can Google real easy and just say, is peppermint tea, you know, a diuretic? And you'll be shocked. One of the few that isn't is licorice, which is great because it's Mm. nice and sweet and yummy. But so just cleaning up the diet with the oils and the carbs and the hydration, I would say that's probably my first thing I would have people do. Wow. And that's a big one for a lot of people. So that's enough to get started with. (laughs) That can be a process for sure and can take time and all of that and needs support, I think, too, for a lot of us, someone helping with that Mm -hmm. to stay accountable and to stay motivated. All that said, so tell me more about how you're working with people directly. I noticed you create these beautiful retreats as well. Yeah. And that looks just so supported in the way that it's structured. And yeah, I just love to know more about how you're working with others. Absolutely. So I work primarily one-on-one, especially if clients are actively cancering. I have a group program that should be available beginning of 2024. And the retreats, we did our first retreat last spring and Farsi was so fun. So Mm -hmm. I have had clients over the years tell me repeatedly like, I wish I could just come and sit at your kitchen table and watch and learn. and Or like, I wish you could just come to my house. And I'm like, you know, this is there's something there. Because when you're immersed in learning all this stuff, all the things that cancer clients need to know, like it's a very steep learning curve, both the cooking and the, the things you need to do in therapies. And most people are not super energetic at that point. Yeah, they're motivated, but a lot of times the biggest thing that's working against them is they take a long time to get going on all the protocols. I'm like, time is not on your side, people. Like, you got to get going. So the retreat gives them a way to come and get immersed. We talk about two of the terrains a day. It's a five-day program. They get to try all the different modalities, so like saunas and coffee enemas and doing their keto mojo and tracking and learn all the information. 
every meal is a cooking class. So they get to learn mm. actually how to cook. And we talk about a lot of the like, you know, things like we do a shopping tour and, and learn how to do all the nitty gritty of like how to meal plan, how to shop and for specifically what's going on with them. And I don't know, most people would probably agree that the whole oncology process from, you know, going in the first time all the way through the treatment, it's a very stressful thing. And to me, it's a little frustrating because we know that stress drives cancer. It's one of the train that we talked about. So having a way to learn about what we need to learn about immerse yourself but have it be fun like we do some line dancing we'll do some like let's have some keto mocktails by the pool and get non-toxic pedicures while we learn about epigenetics you know it's not scary and while it's still serious it's still effective we can have fun at the same time there's no reason they have to be mutually exclusive that's what the retreat is all about and I'm excited to do some more of them in 24 because they're just a blast and Therefore, people, whether they are at the beginning of their cancer journey or after and they're circling back around to do the functional work, it's not appropriate for people that are like having a lot of limitations, you know, stage four kind of thing, just because we can't support them and and hold them in the way that I'd want to in a group environment. But you get, you know, all the labs, you get to learn what's specific to you. It's very personalized. Sounds really, really lovely. And I think fun is so important and it it gets swept under the carpet quite a bit in most of our lives or for a lot of us. And to make sure that it's part of the process as you're teaching, I think is so, so lovely and maybe even imperative too. It's a therapy. It's like one of the things that you need to put on your list to do every day. Have fun. Yep. I had to start being way more intentional about that. And I, you know, I'm not diagnosed with anything at this moment, at least that I'm aware of knock on wood, (laughs) but yeah, that that's lovely. Thank you for going through that process. And I'm sure anyone who's listening who may be in that situation where they want your help is looking forward to 2024. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. All that said, how can we connect with you? Oh yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram, it's at Katrina foe. And then Facebook, it's Nutritional Pilates. And then I would love to extend to your audience a free copy of my new book. So if you want a copy, go ahead onto nutritionalpilates.com and you can uh, give us your address. And it's just the small, we just ask that you pay the shipping. So you can get your own copy for free and get started with all that. Oh my gosh. Thank you. That's so generous. I wasn't expecting that. That's so nice. Thank you for that. I'll make sure there's information about how to do that in the show notes Mm -hmm. so that it's easy. And yeah, thank you for that. And thank you for everything that you shared today and for the work that you're doing for women. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Beeble Begin. We hope that these episodes inspire and empower you to take your next steps in your own intuitive journey towards a life or business that feels clear, authentic, and aligned. And if you're ready for more tools and guidance like courses and free events, then I'd love to invite you to my new Intuitive Creators Academy and Collective. It's free to join. Just follow the link in the show notes and remember to DM me once you get there to receive a special gift for being a listener of Beeble Begin. I'll look forward to seeing you there.